The NBA is a star-driven league. We know the Kings are going to go as far as De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis take them. But every star needs a supporting cast. Every Batman needs a Robin. And on today's Locked on Kings podcast, we're looking at four Robins. Davion Mitchell, Chris Duarte, Kevin Herter, and Sasha Vizenkov. Which out of the four getting the best out of them makes the best impact for the Sacramento Kings and winning? We'll discuss right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News, and we made it, everybody. Opening week of the Sacramento Kings season is here. Now, we still have to wait a day and some change before the Kings actually play basketball, opening up their season in Utah, Salt Lake City, against the Jazz on Wednesday, a game that I will be at. I'm traveling to Salt Lake. I will leave tomorrow or maybe today, depending upon when you're listening to this podcast, but I'll be leaving on Tuesday to head to Salt Lake City to cover that game. Very excited about that. And then that's really the opening act because this upcoming weekend, as you already know, it's going to be a crazy weekend for the Kings. Their home opener, a playoff rematch against the Golden State Warriors, followed by the Los Angeles Lakers on Sunday. Get ready because Kings basketball is coming fast and coming hard right away to start this season. So very much looking forward to that. But as we're putting the final uh, wraps on preseason and on training camp and we're getting into regular season mode, I'm stealing a question that I heard today from D'Lo and Casey on ESPN 1320. This was Damian Barling's question. I texted him already telling him, like, I'm stealing this question because I thought it was an absolutely brilliant topic of conversation. Like I said in the intro, we know how important the stars are, in particular the, the main three are to Sacramento, Fox and Sabonis, of course, and then you can throw Keegan Murray into that conversation because the belief is he's going to step up as the next go-to score for the Kings, or maybe even the second leading score at times for the Kings this season. That, that top three is pretty established. Everybody else is kind of a support in their own way. And this is not going to be a conversation of which of these four guys is necessarily the most important to Sacramento's success, because every guy that the Kings have brought in in this roster, the Kings have assembled, all of them provide at least one important and unique skill set to the success or to the hopeful success of the Sacramento Kings this year. The four guys that we're going to be talking about are Davion Mitchell, Kevin Herter, who is a starter but still a supporting character, uh, Chris Duarte, and Sasha Vizenkov. Now, of course, Malik Monk is essential as a supporting character uh, or supporting player off the Kings bench. Arguably, if the Kings are going to have a sixth man of the year, he should be the front runner for that award. So I'm not disregarding him and the other guys that I haven't named, but Damien posted, posed this question, when it comes to these four guys, if you were to get the absolute best out of one of the four of them, you could choose Davion, absolute best out of Davion this year. Sasha, absolute best out of the EuroLeague MVP. Which has the biggest, most positive impact on the Sacramento Kings winning? 
This is one of those questions that there's not a right answer, but it's a very interesting discussion, and I know that you're going to want to join in this conversation with me, and you can do that on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. So there's a main two that people discuss and, and that was discussed on ESPN 1320 when they were having this conversation, and, and it's pretty easy to limit it down to two. So I'm going to have Chris Duarte and Sasha Vizenkov in kind of the honorable mentions here. It's, it's, in my opinion, not those two guys. And one of the primary reasons for that is because we don't really know what the best of Chris Duarte and what the best of Sasha Vizenkov is. Duarte's best is probably a solid defender and a sharpshooter on the offensive side of the ball. You're, you're talking about just a really solid, established two-way player. That's what we believe the best of Chris Duarte likely is. Now, some people think that could even be as a starting two. Maybe some people think that he could take over kind of a Doug Christie-esque role for the Sacramento Kings that, that Doug had uh, in the early 2000s when the Kings were making their big run. Maybe that's the absolute best. We haven't really seen that yet, so I'm not going to put that label on Duarte at this point in time. But what... I just described Duarte as a three-point shooter, a three-and-D guy who's really solid on the defensive end of the floor. That is exactly what the Sacramento Kings are looking for from their depth off of the bench. That just is a really solid foundational piece to Sacramento's success. But out of these four guys, I think getting more out of the other three might be more important than Duarte at his best in that two-way role. Sasha Vizenkov, like if you could get EuroLeague MVP Sasha Vizenkov and put him right here in Sacramento, that's a dream, right? But EuroLeague MVP Sasha Vizenkov is offensive driven. Now we can talk about lights out shooting, right? We can talk about he's on the floor and the spacing is amazing because he's always a constant threat uh, to punish you from outside. He's also an extremely good cutter uh, and someone that can kind of add a new wrinkle to Sacramento's offense because he can cut off the ball. Uh, he can take advantage of backdoor with all the attention on Fox or Sabonis or whoever's on the floor with him who's, who's controlling. Like, the best of Sasha Vazenkov is completely offensive-focused. And that's why, in this discussion, it actually kind of hurts him a little bit. Because on the defensive end, what is the best of Sasha Vazenkov? It's essentially a push, to use a betting term, which is like, not bad, not good, not a win, not a loss, just even. Right, like in my opinion, or what I'm imagining the best of Sasha Vazenkov to be is absolute flamethrower, impactful player on the offensive end. And on the defensive end, you just kind of put up with what he is, and it's not terrible, but it's not a difference maker. And for a team that's going into a season with more of a defensive focus, for a team that's already coming off of a year where they were the number one offense, and that led to them being eliminated in the first round of the playoffs, that's not as impactful, in my opinion, as these other two guys could be. I'm going to stop dancing around the question or, or beating around the bush with my answer. I'll give you my answer right now. The answer to me is Davion Mitchell. To me, Davion Mitchell, getting the best out of Davion is more important and would be more impactful for the Sacramento Kings winning games. And that's not just regular season wins, right? That's not just the Kings winning uh, or getting that 50 win mark that I want to see them reach. That's getting into the playoffs and the Kings actually making it out of the first round and then making a Western Conference uh, Finals run and maybe even an NBA Finals run, right? Davion Mitchell being at his absolute best to me makes that as possible or makes that more possible than not. Kevin Herter, we've seen maybe close to his best, right? When he was absolutely torching 
from three-point range, shooting 50% from three-point range to start the season. Now, it's not realistic at all to expect Kevin Herter to shoot close to 50% for an entire season, especially at the volume of shots he's going to take with how essential his role is as a starter. And make no mistake about it, I do think, I do firmly believe that Kevin Herter is going to be the starter for the Sacramento Kings for the majority of the season. Knock on wood, he doesn't get hurt. I think that's Kevin Herter's spot. I know that's been called into question, and I think we've made kind of a mountain out of a molehill with Kevin Herter's starting two-guard spot because, quite honestly, the Kings were so good last year that we're just looking for something that needs to be improved. And Kevin's performance in preseason plus Kevin's performance in the playoffs, we've kind of gravitated towards that and focused on that. And, of course, Mike Brown replacing Kevin with Chris Duarte in the starting lineup for a game kind of exemplified that or, or brought that to the forefront for a lot of people. I still think Kevin Herter is firmly established as a starter here in Sacramento. doesn't mean he can't lose his spot. Mike Brown's been very open about pretty much anybody can lose their spot, probably with the exception of De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, if they aren't doing what the Kings need to do in order to win games. So nobody's untouchable necessarily. But I think Kevin Herter is firmly established as a starter still at this point and that he will be the starting two for the Sacramento Kings, uh, not just on Wednesday in the opener against Utah, but for basically this entire season. At least that's my opinion at this point in time. The best of Kevin Herter is the lights-out three-point shooting, right? An incredible off-ball movement. Like, people forget how valuable Kevin Herter was for the Sacramento Kings offense, not just when he was hitting shots, but how well he moved off the ball, how well he played in the dribble handoff game with DeMontis Sabonis. He was constantly what I call a, a perimeter poacher, moving at all times, having a defender chase him around, which of course tires out his defender. But all of that movement from Kevin, even if he didn't get the ball, drew away from what Fox was doing with the ball or what Sabonis was doing with the ball. Or it just kept things moving. And Mike Brown, one of the pillars of his offense is like, 0.5 seconds, right? When you get the ball, make a decision of what you're going to do in 0.5 seconds. And that constant movement, that rotation, not just from Herter, although he was one of the best at it, but that constant movement and constantly providing an option on the perimeter, or even at times attacking the basket and cutting to the basket, that made Sacramento's offense nearly unguardable. Even Kevin Durant, after the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets game, if you remember the national TV game when Kevin was still with the Nets here in Sacramento last season when the Kings absolutely destroyed the Nets. And Kevin Durant went on his podcast afterwards and just said, like, we didn't know, we, what do we do? Like, we couldn't stop the Kings. And Kevin Herter was a large part of that. If Kevin Herter is at his absolute best, that's where we're getting into that unstoppable category for the Kings offense. But here's the thing. When comparing in this conversation Kevin Herter and his offense to Davion Mitchell and his defense at its absolute best, one is definitely more replaceable than the other. What I mean by that is Kevin's three-point shooting, when he's on, is probably the best on the team. Maybe Keegan Murray is up there with him, but probably the best on the team. No doubts about it. But there are so many other shooters on this roster that if Kevin Herter is not shooting lights out from three-point range, it doesn't cripple the Sacramento Kings. It hurts them for sure. It doesn't cripple them as much as if the Kings didn't have Davion Mitchell's presence. And what held Davion back from being that impactful defender that made a true difference game in and game out was his offense, right? And we've seen such an improvement from Davion and his shooting in particular this offseason that to me... The best of Davion Mitchell is that elite on-ball defense with now the ability to space the floor and hit a three-pointer at a league average rate. 
right? I'm thinking like that 36, 37% rate. Enough to keep Davion on the floor, to keep opposing defenses honest, and then allow Davion to do what he does best and be as impactful as he possibly can for the Sacramento Kings when guarding an opposing team's guard, harassing the ball handler, trying to take, uh, just make it difficult for them to even cross half court at times, just making them exert a little extra energy possession in and possession out, being that like annoying fly or mosquito on defense that is just, it makes just dribbling things you take for granted difficult to do. Davion can almost like, you can see him suck the life and suck the soul and suck the energy out of the guys he's defending sometimes because he makes just menial things like dribbling up the floor difficult or harder than they necessarily have to be. And that makes a difference over a 48-minute game. So to me, Davion Mitchell is the answer. Because if you're getting the absolute best out of Davion, which is the elite on-ball defense, and league average to slightly above average, maybe three-point shooting, and in addition to that, someone who is capable of running the offense and running the second unit as kind of the guy. It no longer is required for Malik Monk to handle that role. Malik still can, and Davion and Malik can share those responsibilities. But you could also put Davion Mitchell on the floor with De'Aaron Fox, and suddenly, in my opinion, that's the best defensive backcourt that this team could possibly have. If you have Mitchell and Fox on the floor guarding whichever team's backcourt, that's probably the best perimeter defensive unit that the Sacramento Kings can throw out there. And you can do that at the end of the game if, you're getting that elite level defense from Davion that you expect and the offensive presence, the best offensive presence of Davion. We saw aspects of that with how he played in game two of the playoffs, right? That big corner three that he hit had a solid game overall for Sacramento to help them win game two against the Golden State Warriors in the Golden One Center a few months ago. If you can get that maybe even a little bit better on the offensive end and that elite level defense at Davion's best this season, that puts the Sacramento Kings in the best position to win, in my opinion. But here's a question. Because Davion or uh, Damian brought this up on 1320 today. If Fox and Davion Mitchell are on the floor together in the fourth quarter, let's say they're playing the Golden State Warriors again. Who's guarding Steph Curry? Who is guarding in that opinion, in that situation, who is guarding the best? player best guard on the opposing team Damian said it would be Davion and that makes sense but I might disagree with that I think if you can get the best out of Davion Mitchell meaning he's playing close to like mid-20s to sometime 30 minutes a night for the first three quarters Davion's responsibility is probably primarily guarding that lead guard or star guard on the other other team whether it's Kyrie or or whoever it may be, uh, Steph Curry, doesn't matter. Like, Davion, that's his responsibility for the majority of the time that he's on the floor. But once we get to the fourth quarter, just like it's De'Aaron Fox time, Clutch Fox time on the offensive end of the floor, maybe that's where you're throwing a hopefully fresh and extra effort De'Aaron Fox defense at the best player. Either way, if you can pick and choose between the two of them and their defense and who you want to throw at the opposing team's best guard and can do that consistently in the fourth quarter, in close games this season, I think Mike Brown's got something great to work with. So out of those four, again, Duarte, Vazenkov, Kevin Herter, and Davion Mitchell, you can get the best out of one of them. The absolute best, you're guaranteed to have it. You just have to choose who. Who do you think it makes the biggest impact for Sacramento Kings winning games and ultimately, ultimately making a deep, deep playoff run? Let me know. We'd love to hear your answer to that. 
Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. This is the number one app for you to buy your Sacramento Kings tickets or any tickets to any event this year and in the years to come, right? Whether it's a Kings basketball game, an NFL football game, a MLB baseball game, maybe it's a like a, a theater show or a play, a, a comedy show, a concert, whatever it may be, get your tickets with game time. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. Actually, honestly, the closer you buy tickets to the event, the better flash deals and last-minute deals you're going to find. Sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy shows, theater. They have zone deals, which means you pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. They have all these deals that are going on all the time for all sorts of events around the country for you to go and find. And if you're looking at buying last-minute Kings tickets, maybe it's like a Wednesday night game and you didn't think you were going to go, but suddenly you have the free time and, hey, I want to go see the Kings tonight. Check out game time because you're going to get the best deals you could possibly find. They even have a game time guarantee, which means you'll always find the best price. And if you find tickets in the same uh, section and row that are cheaper, they'll credit you 110% of the difference. Download the Game Time app right now, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create your account. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So today at the Golden One Center, the Sacramento Kings held a press conference for Lindsey Harding, who is the new head coach of the Stockton Kings. Of course, the Stockton Kings uh, making history with uh, with Lindsey taking over as the head coach and, of course, Anjali Ranadive uh, taking over as the general manager. So some cool things happening in Stockton. Uh, and this is not a publicity stunt, especially on the Lindsey Harding side of things. Not a publicity stunt at all. She has earned this position, earned this opportunity. She's an incredibly exciting coach, and she's also an awesome person. So I thought, hey, why not play some of her uh, introductory press conference for you here on Locked on Kings? I am so happy to be here. Um, thank you all for coming. I know this was announced back in the summer, and uh, but we're here now, and I'm excited to be here. Uh, I, I feel so honored uh, to have this opportunity. I came here four years ago as a player development coach. Um, not knowing where I was going to go in the future. And each year, I got, I grew and got better and better. I had my eyes on this possible opportunity. Um, and now, last season, being part of Coach Brown's staff, I feel that I have the support. I need to be successful in this new role. Um, but again, I, I'm really thankful and extremely excited and, and here to answer any questions that any of you guys have. Lindsay, so much has been made about how few females have been professional basketball coaches in the States. but. I believe you're the first black female to be a head coach in the G League. What does that mean to you to be breaking that barrier? It's, um, you just want to coach. And you just, you know, as a player, you just want to play and you just want to coach. But you have to, like, I think I just sat back and it, uh, after I was given, I mean, this opportunity, I sat back and I was like, wow, this really is something. And it's not just that, this organization entrusted me with this, this responsibility, the belief they had in me. Um, it's really good to be part of something that they see and they see the growth and they're giving you that opportunity. Um, but I know now, because I have young girls now in college and high school saying, I want to coach in the NBA. And when I was that age, I didn't even know that this was an opportunity. So it's great that I feel that I'm just able to follow my dreams to get this opportunity and, and open up doors, hopefully, for the future. <laughs> Yes, this is an opportunity. You know, I'm 
piggyback off of what Chris said, because in the last 50, 55 years, there have been, you know, black coaches that had elevated, whether in uh, college or uh, the NBA. And I'm talking about Marion E. Washington, who was the first Division I uh, black female college 50, 51 years ago, and Title IX made that happen. I just want to get your thoughts, not, not only on her accomplishment, but uh, the opportunities that Title IX has offered, you know, women, black women and women overall. You just want to get equal opportunity. You just want to be seen. You want to be seen as as equal and 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 like really given the the opportunity to grow. Like you just can't jump in this position to be a coach. Someone has to give you an opportunity way back to learn and to grow. And I think there are people out there that just see you and see your talent. They don't care that you are a woman and they want to give you these opportunities. Title IX has been amazing by I think opening people's eyes of saying, hey, we're here. They can do it too. So. Being sitting here and part of this, uh, obviously part of Title IX, playing in, in women's college basketball and being able to have that opportunity, um, I, I've been the beneficiary of it. It's been great. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. How much will your basketball philosophy align with Mike Brown and the big team and everything? We would like to think we are an extension of the Sacramento Kings. Um, I would like a seamless transition for players that are going to be going back and forth with that. Um, you know, he, he talks a lot about about playing together as a team, playing physical, playing fast, and that's exactly what we're going to do as well. Um, I might have my own little style and flair to it, but it's going to be pretty similar with that. He's been very, very clear. Hey, Lindsay, uh, two quick for you real quick. Um, the first one just – Coaching and yeah. I actually, I actually, I was told by my college coach years ago I'd be a great coach, and I thought she was crazy. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. When I thought NBA, I thought of more maybe front office. Um, and I started off as a scout. I worked in league office, and then I was a scout. And I had an opportunity to be a player development coach when I was with Philadelphia, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I, I didn't expect to get here where I am years later, but I just kind of followed that path, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, and speaking of that, just Philadelphia, being on Luke Walton's staff, being with Mike Brown's staff, what were you able to take from maybe each individual spot that you can apply going forward in your coaching career? Each individual, that's a great question. Uh, first, <laughs> first starting, I had like Brett Brown, and I was like, knew nothing about the NBA. He was very open. He had his, his, his office open anytime. Um, I think him giving me the opportunity to like ask and share, and um, he didn't put me in a box, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes you're nervous and you don't want to say anything. He would call me over, ask what I think, and it was really cool to tell him something and to see him actually do it. I don't know if he did it on purpose or if he fully believed in it, but it gave me confidence, so I, I loved that. Coming here with... Um, when Luke Walton brought me here, it was my first time doing scouts, really like learning the process of how to do that, understanding that different coaches, different teams, different people, they do it in several ways. And um, each year it was done differently, but that helped me grow as far as like even having a voice in front of the team. And then now here with, with Coach Brown, um, man, how much time you got? Um, it, it's, it's been a lot. Um, he's sitting here in the back of the room, but like it's it's for one that shows you the support that our head coach is standing right here for this press conference in the back of the room. But um, 
I think he's on my speed dial. I can text him whether it is about basketball or about other personal things. Um, any questions I have, he's there to, to give an answer. If he um, and, and he's the kind of leader that he doesn't care if you are a video person or um, have this much experience or none at all. If you have something to say and he likes it, he will use it. And I think that gives so many people confidence. If he doesn't like something, he'll tell you that too. But that also makes you better. Um, but I have to say, and I will say this directly to you, Coach Brown, you have given me so much confidence last season to be in this position now because I know no matter what, you guys have my back. Hey, Lindsay, um, back here. Do you consider yourself a trailblazer? I've been called that before. Um, I, I, when you think about it, I, th I think I am. I think I am. When I'm just coaching, you don't think about any of that. You go, you do your job. Uh, but when you take the time and you really sit and, and think about it, I mean, how many women look like me that do this? I didn't have this when I was a kid. I didn't have someone that looked like me that was doing this that I could say, hey, I want to do it. I think a lot of these young men, I mean, they're so lucky. They, they, they're able to see somebody and see the path to get there. I don't really know the path to get to the highest level. I'm just kind of making it as I go. So I guess trailblazer might be the, the word for it. Hi, Lindsay. Congratulations on your accomplishment back here. There you go. I wanted to ask, have you spoken to any other women around the league, whether that be Becky Hammond and, and her experience, and what advice did she give you? And, and if you haven't spoken to maybe someone in her role, uh, whether that's your family or your mom or so, so a woman that you look up to that gave you an advice that you stick with? I, I've known Becky since the, my years playing in the WNBA. So, like, I talked to her when I first got in the NBA, and she talked a lot about her experiences, giving me little nuggets uh, about, um, you know, just, just kind of her experience and things that can help get me ahead. Um, I remember her telling me at my first summer league, this was years ago, she's like, stick with it. We need more women here. Um, for one, I just want to congratulate her on her second championship back-to-back. -back. That is big time, and that also says what kind of coach she is. Uh, but, no, we, we've definitely have, have spoken in the past about it, and um, – um, yeah, I, I just I just know that I want to be also open for other women that's coming up that may have any questions uh, moving forward because she definitely helped me. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Check this out. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's all you have to do. Invest $5. Put $5 in. Bet on a uh, player prop or a spread or over under. Whatever you want to bet on, put $5 down no matter what happens you're going to get $200 in bonus bets. You could win and get those $200 to help you make even more money. You could lose, and here's $200 in bonus bets for you to recoup, recoup your money, keep playing, and make even more money on top of that. Plus, of course, it's not just the NFL action, although they have amazing NFL lines and, and bets for you right now. With the NBA season starting, FanDuel is perfect for the NBA as well. Visit FanDuel.com slash NBA and kick off the NFL season the right way. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Before we wrap up, I'm sure you saw, or if you weren't aware, Giannis Antetokounmpo signed a major extension with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, the three-year, $186 million max extension. That was actually less money than what he could have signed for this summer, which goes to show you how big of an, uh, of an impact that Damian Lillard trade 
was for Milwaukee. Now you have Lillard uh, playing with uh, Giannis in Milwaukee. That team is arguably the front runner in the entire league to win a championship. And Giannis decides, you know what, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to I'm going to take a little bit less money, at least at this point in time. Although, look, this extension kicks in after the money that he's already owed and still to be paid out for the remainder of his contract. So no one's going to, uh, to, to bat an eye at him only getting $186 million compared to the $200 million, uh, that he could have gotten if he signed this summer. But regardless, why does this impact the Sacramento Kings? Well, it's a win on two fronts. Number one, he's in the East. He's staying in the East, unless they trade him, which why would they do that? But he's staying in the Eastern Conference, right? That's always a win for the Sacramento Kings, unless, of course, the Kings make it to the NBA Finals, and it's Dame Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks that they're facing in the NBA Finals. But you know what? If they get to that point, I'll take that because you got to play the best and beat the best if you want to be the best. So that's a that's, that's a pill that I can swallow, right? You don't have to worry about Giannis joining the Los Angeles Lakers and facing him four times a year, right? You don't have to worry about Giannis coming to the West and making this already difficult conference uh, more than it needs to be, right? So Giannis staying in the East is always a good thing. Number two, Milwaukee's a small market. Like, Milwaukee is a small market team. And for small market Milwaukee to maintain control of a homegrown talent, Milwaukee drafted Giannis, developed Giannis. He turned into this absolute superstar, global icon. And he's staying with the small market team that drafted him instead of bouncing for LA or bouncing for Miami. Like, that's a huge win for small markets everywhere, right? Because the last thing we want is more big market teams plucking away that talent after the small market who drafted that talent in the first place and needed that talent to turn themselves around does all the hard work to kind of establish them. Nobody wants small market teams other than big markets, of course. And I know big market fans like Lakers fans expect this to happen. It's dumb because it happens too much. But nobody wants the small markets to serve as talent development for large market teams. Nobody wants that. It's bad for the league. Giannis staying with the Milwaukee Bucks is great for the league, just like the Portland Trailblazers trading Dame Lillard to Milwaukee and not giving in to the demands of major market Miami. Like, that's a win for small markets, too, because here's small market Portland that refused to be pushed around and ultimately ended up getting maybe not the best deal. I don't know what the best deal could have been for Dame Lillard, but they still got a great deal. They got more than probably they would have gotten from the Miami Heat. So these are wins for small markets, which deserve to be celebrated from the Kings standpoint, even if Giannis has nothing to do with the Sacramento Kings and was never going to come and play for the Sacramento Kings. So the Kings were never involved in that sweepstakes. It also just goes to show you, like I mentioned, with, with Dame coming and now this extension being signed, like things can change quickly. Not just a team can turn things around quickly, like we saw with the Sacramento Kings last year, but God forbid, play out this hypothetical scenario where the Sacramento Kings become a really, really good team for years to come, right? Let's say over the next four or five years, the Kings are a perennial playoff team every single year, and they're in the conversation for winning a championship, but they haven't quite won it yet. And here's De'Aaron Fox. Not that this is the kind of person that he is, but roll with me with this example. Here's De'Aaron Fox, and he's like, he's disgruntled, he's frustrated because they've been there so many times, we've been so close, but they just haven't gotten over the hump. And it's like, maybe I can't win here. Maybe I should consider going to this market or joining this star over here. And then the Sacramento Kings go and make a big swing, go out and get an established, exciting player to pair with De'Aaron. I mean, kind of similar to the DeMontis Sabonis thing, right? And suddenly De'Aaron's like, you know what? I'm sticking it out here. Let's sign an extension. Let's get it done. Because so many people were convinced that Giannis, at the end of this contract, 
was gone. People were saying, Milwaukee, you have to trade Giannis now when his value is at its absolute highest because you can't risk losing him for nothing. Well, Milwaukee did their job. They went out and they got the star that Giannis wanted to play with, and Giannis rewarded them by signing an extension. That's how qu quickly things can change in the NBA. I'm excited to see Giannis and the Bucks uh, open up the regular season tomorrow. NBA basketball is back. Can't wait. I will be traveling uh, to Salt Lake City tomorrow. I also have planned to have Katie Christensen joining me on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. That'll be our like preseason wrap-up and regular season preview podcast. Uh, that will be dropping tomorrow, so I hope you will, uh, will stay tuned for that. And then Wednesday, we're watching Kings basketball, and from uh, Utah, I will have a post-game podcast for you. I cannot wait. It's going to be so exciting. If you're going to Utah, maybe you're a Kings fan that lives in Utah or Salt Lake City, if you're going to be at the game, let me know, because I'm not just covering the game for Lockdown Kings. I'm covering the game for ABC 10, and I'm trying to do a feature on all the Sacramento Kings fans that I can find at that game in Utah. So if you're going, let me know. We'll get together. We'll chat, uh, and maybe we'll get you on ABC 10 News here in Sacramento, too. Appreciate your support as always. Congratulations. We made it through the offseason together. Kings basketball is coming up next. Can't wait for it. And can't wait to have you join me all season long here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Your home for Sacramento Kings basketball and, of course, part of the podcast network.